to go to Philippians chapter 4. And um, I believe on Wednesday nights, I'm going to go ahead and be dedicated to Philippians chapter 4 until we finish and uh, the book of Philippians. And I'm going to try probably on Sunday nights to be dedicated to the book of Daniel. And uh, But Philippians chapter 4 is where I'd like you to turn to tonight. The last time we were here, we looked at verse number 5 that says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, the verse that I want to turn my attention to tonight, actually two verses, but I think it would help us to put them together. Verse 6 and 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be careful for nothing. And you know, carefulness, carefulness when you look it up in the dictionary, to be full of care or to be anxious. So I want you to look at your Bible again with that thought in mind Be careful for nothing. Don't allow your heart to be filled with care. Don't allow your heart to be overcome with anxiety. Don't allow that to happen. Now, I'm not going to ask you how many of you in your life from time to time find your heart being filled with care instead of what we find in verse number 7, the peace of God. I would say this, is there a big difference between carefulness and peacefulness? Would you say amen to that? There's a huge difference. And you've got to remember, this is written to the Philippian believers. So why would they be careful? Well, think about that for a moment. You have a Philippian jailer, and the jail has been broken apart, and he has trusted Christ and brought one of the men who was a prisoner home to his house, two of them and washed their backs and took and taken care of them, his standing is going to be very differently viewed now going forward. Oh, certainly he's, his eternal standing has changed. Now he's born again and on his way to heaven. But the men that he worked with and the people that would be over the prison system in Philippi and other places, they would probably have a different view of him. And now he's going to be put in a a. a a type of pressure that he probably hadn't been put under before. In fact, I'd say it this way. Maybe if there was cursing in the jail, now that he knows Christ, he doesn't want to have anything to do with it. All right? Now that that he's born again, he doesn't want anything to do with maybe the things that might go on in bribery or exchanging of goods that take place in prison. He doesn't have anything to do with that anymore. And there's a pressure that comes from that. Then think about this. Think about Lydia, the seller of purple. Lydia, she gets born again down by the riverside. She is a businesswoman. And it looks like to me that there is no man mentioned. I I believe probably Lydia was a woman who had to take care of her own self and her own household, whether that be children or servants. And so now she's born again. And I'm not saying she wasn't a woman of character. But, you know, after you get born again, you shouldn't cheat somebody out of anything. You ought to give them an honest trade for whatever they're paying you for. Wouldn't you agree with that? So now, now, now Lydia, as a businesswoman, is going to be put in front of people, but she has a different disposition, a different attitude, and the conversation that she might be around would bring a certain pressure, an anxiety, a carefulness. You think about that woman that had been delivered from the spirit of divination, the devil, 
Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the Bible says her masters were so upset about that. That's why Paul ended up in the jail at Philippi. They lost their ability to use her to make money. But now that she has been freed from those spirits, those unclean spirits, now, now what is their expectation going to be of her? Who is going to take care of me? How am I going to be able to live? What are these men going to expect of me now? And I'm just saying, in my mind, I can see more than just uh, a, a cursory statement of be careful for nothing. I can, in my mind... See the Apostle Paul thinking about Lydia and her family, thinking about that Philippian jailer and his family, thinking about that lady that had been set free from those unclean spirits. And so he, he through the power and the pen of the Holy Ghost, says, be careful for nothing. Don't let your heart be full of anxiousness. Don't let your heart be full of care. Yes, business world may be different. Yes, the, the, the workplace may be different. Yes, you, you may not have the same masters over you now, but don't be careful for anything. And then this little phrase, though, in verse number 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Can I ask you a question tonight? I, I, I want you to be honest with yourself who is keeping your heart and mind right now? Who is the keeper of your heart and your mind? Well, let, let me break this down for you. When he says be careful for nothing, if you are keeping your heart, if everything about your future depends on you, then it's going to be very easy for you to be filled with care, carefulness. If that job depends on you, carefulness. If, if your children depend on you in the direction of their life, carefulness. If being able to, to keep your marriage going the right direction, carefulness. If being protected from the virus, carefulness. And being able to pay the bills that you have, care. if it all depends on you, if everything depends on you, it will be very easy for your heart to be filled with care. But then if you're not keeping it, what if somebody else is keeping your heart? What if there's somebody else that is being given the responsibility to keep your heart? Here's what I'd tell you. There's going to be some compensation there. It's going to cost you. Remember that woman in Luke chapter 8 that she had an infirmity of her blood, an issue of blood, and for 12 years, the Bible says she spent all that she had on physicians. If you start depending on somebody else to keep your heart and mind, and they have to give you prescription medication, and you have to sit in their office and have them tell you how you ought to think and go to group therapy and all of these other things. If you give your heart's care to somebody else to take care of it, there's going to be some cost that's involved. But I'm telling you right now, there is no doubt in my mind, in this country, there are billions of dollars being made by people who are trying to help other people keep their hearts and minds. And if you were to look at their success rate, it's not very high. It's not very high. All right? So if you're keeping it full of care, if somebody else is keeping it, it's going to cost you a great deal. But if God is keeping it, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, here's what I'd tell you. You can have a calmness that nobody else knows anything about. Do you understand that? If God is keeping my heart and my mind then there can be a calmness about me. Even in the middle of trouble, verse number six does not say you will not have trouble. 
Be careful for nothing. Does not mean that you won't have any problems, that you won't have any trials, that you won't have any opposition from the devil. That Not at all. Verse number six doesn't make that promise, but I'm going to tell you what it does. It ends up saying in verse number seven that if you'll give God the keeping of your heart and mind, you can have a calmness of your heart when nothing else can keep it that way. You know what that means? You won't need those little pills in a bottle. Right. That means you won't need to go down to the ABC store and pick you up a bottle or something to t- t- try to somehow calm your nerves. Right. You won't need that. So I'm going to ask you my question again. Who's keeping your heart? Who is the one that's keeping your heart and your mind? Is it the Lord? If it is, then there's going to be a calmness in your heart. If it's somebody else, then you're putting out some money. And if it's yourself... Boy, you can just be so filled with care and anxiety. And I don't think that's a good way to live, and I don't think that's the way we ought to. In fact, if you look there in verse number 7, I love it. The Bible says, and the peace of God. Do you understand that's, that's peace that comes from God, not from men? Come on now, help me, church. This isn't peace that you can find at the bookstore. This is peace that comes from God. This is not peace that comes from your support group. This is peace that comes from God. All right, so the peace of God, this is a peace that comes from God. And look what the Bible says in verse 7. It's a peace that passeth all understanding. It's a peace you can't explain. I'm telling you tonight, I have met so many people in my life that have faced unbelievable trials. I'm talking about things that would just crush the human soul. And I'm telling you right now, I have looked at some of those people and an amazement stood back and said, look at the grace of God at work in their heart. Look at how he is giving them peace in the middle of one of the most hard things in life. And you know what? I'm glad that I'm not, I'm not just telling you that because I'm preaching out of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. There is a real peace from God that passes all understanding. You can't, you can't explain it. It's not logical. It doesn't make sense. I've told it before. I'll tell it again. One of the ladies in our church, her husband was on his second bout of cancer. And I'm telling you, she was, at, she was at the end of the road in watching his life leave this world. He said, take this off of me. I'm not taking any more treatments. And her family, her family was so concerned for her because she had had breakdowns in the past. And they had talked to me privately about that. And they had asked, how is she doing? And one day in the hospital, I still remember like it was yesterday, she looked at me and she said, Preacher, she said, my family's nervous about me losing it, aren't they? And I said, they are. She said, well, I tell you what, it's just like God standing right by me and holding me up the whole time, and I don't know how to explain it all, but I'm not worried about these things one bit at all. Her family, her, her family's expectation, she can't hold up under the pressure. And I would agree, you and I, when we're trying to take care of things, we can't hold up under the pressure. But are you listening to me, young couples and old couples alike? Hey, if God has you in his keeping, you can withstand the pressure of the moment. Right. I don't know if I'm going to get the job. I don't know if we're going to be able to get married. I don't know if we're going to be able to buy the house. I don't know what people are going to think about me after tomorrow. I don't know how things are going to turn out. That's all right. You may not know, but if you'll give your keeping to God, he knows how to take care of those things for you. There's a peace that passeth 
all understanding. And that peace keeps the heart and the mind. How many of you think people have heart problems today? And I'm not talking about the kind that deal with the muscle inside. I'm talking about heart issues. You think people have heart issues today? I wish I hadn't seen the headline, but I did. About somebody in Atlanta killing people. You say, why would they do that? Because of their upbringing? No. Because of the way they were treated when they were younger? No. Because of their race? No. I'm going to tell you why they did it. Because they had problems in their heart. How many of you think people got problems with their mind? Come on, you think people have problems with their mind today? Absolutely people have problems with their mind. The way they think, I'm talking losing their mind. People are losing their mind, losing their heart. And I'm t- look, the Bible says that this peace from God that passeth understanding shall, not may, not I hope, but shall keep your hearts and minds. Then give me some of that. Amen. Give me some of that. But this peace not only keeps your hearts and minds, if you look at the last phrase there, through Christ Jesus. This peace is only available through Christ Jesus. So let me say something to you. If you're listening tonight and you've never been saved and you're, you're troubled about so many things, until you make Jesus Christ your Savior, there is no prescription that's going to help you. There is no therapist that's going to help you. Relocating to a new area and starting a new life is not going to help you. But I'm telling you right now, the Lord Jesus Christ, He can do for you what nobody else can do. Through Christ Jesus. Look, look at the bookends. You see verse number uh, four, or excuse me, verse five, the Lord is at hand. Now that could mean returning, but it also means right at hand. He's present. The Lord is present. We spoke about that. So the Lord is present in verse five, and at the end of verse seven, you, your hearts and minds are kept through Christ Jesus. So on both ends, you find the Lord Jesus Christ. What I'm telling you tonight, oh my goodness, I know that it's going right over some of your head. You're not thinking about it because your mind's in a different place. Listen, there are people that come to the end of their road that decide it would be better for me to take my life than for me to continue living this way. You know what's missing in that? The peace of God that passeth all understanding through Christ Jesus. But you don't understand, preacher, it's so bad. I just don't see any way that it can get fixed. That's all right. I'll tell you right, they probably said the same thing about the maniac of Gadara. Listen, this guy's past hope. I mean, he, all he does is squall and scream in those tombs. He cuts himself. We can't bind him. We've given him medicine. And look, look, there is no hope for him. That was until Jesus came by. Yeah, when Jesus came by, everything changed. You know what the Bible says about, are you listening? You know what the Bible says about the one who was called the maniac of Gadara? That when Jesus got finished with him, are you listening? He was seated and clothed, listen to me, and in his right mind. You say, how many sessions did that take? One. One. You know why it only took one? Because Jesus Christ has the power to give peace that passeth understanding. Now to me, that's, that's something in a place that I want to live. I know that if I try to carry all the burdens in my life, if I begin to think about the problems of my family, if I begin to dwell on the problems of my dad's health or my wife's health 
or one of my children's health. If I begin to dwell upon the problems that are at the church, and I'm not just talking about people problems, I'm talking about uh, uh, problems with the property and problems with the people downtown in Greenville County. If I begin to dwell on all those things and I get underneath all of that and I, I let my heart get full of care and I start worrying, well, how am I going to help her and how am I going to help this problem and how am I going to deal with that problem? I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a heart and mind that's kept. I'm going to be somebody that's full of care. I'm going to have to go buy me a whole bunch more uh, medicine that keeps the acid down in my stomach. I'm not going to be sleeping at night, so I'm going to have to go find me another bottle of NyQuil because I can't keep up with it all. But I'm glad to tell you tonight, hey, hey, I'm glad to tell you tonight, I don't have to keep up with it all. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that I'm not concerned and I'm not going to apply myself to try to help my family and the church and all the problems that we have. I'm going to be engaged, but I'm not going to fret and worry about it because it's not my problem. I'm going to give it to somebody that's bigger than I am. You say, boy, you're just preaching tonight. No, I'm not preaching. I'm telling you exactly what this country needs. People losing their minds, taking their lives, saying, I don't live anymore. Doesn't have to be that way. He says, be careful for nothing. You know how the care creeps in? The care, look how the care creeps in. Take and put a little mark right there in Philippians. I feel like preaching for a while tonight. Go to Luke chapter 10 just a minute. Here's how the care comes in. And unless we just think, well, this is just a generic thing. No, let's make it personal. All right. When my whole heart gets full of care, you say, preacher, do you ever get full of care? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Do, do you ever fret? Absolutely. You, you shouldn't do that. The Bible just says, be careful for nothing. Well, I'm going to deal with that, but I'm t- I, I, I get there. Look what it says about Mary and Martha. We know about Mary and Martha and how Jesus loved them and, and, and that Martha receives Jesus into her house. All right, that's very unusual. It may have been Martha's house. Perhaps she's the oldest. I, I'm not going to speculate altogether and say that's emphatically it, but Martha receives Jesus into her house, verse 39. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Boy, Mary chose the right part, but look at verse 40. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. She's got these people to take care of. And the Lord. And we've got to get all the food out on the table. And we've got to get the utensils there. We've got to make certain that people have a drink that's, that's, that's full of drink. And, and, and look, we've, we've got to make certain everything's in order. And Martha's working hard to make all those things get out there. And she looks over, and there sits Mary just sitting there. All she's doing is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And in her heart, you know what she's saying? Why didn't she get up and do something? And it starts bugging her. So she comes and tells the Lord about it. Look what the Lord says to her in verse 41. You watching? Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Martha, your heart's full of care. You're anxious because of the serving that you're responsible for. But it doesn't stop there. Go if you would to Mark chapter 10, just to Mark chapter 4, just a moment. Mark chapter 4. We get, we get full of care when it comes to the responsibilities that we have, whether it's that of a parent or whether that's that of an employee. I'm sure there are people right now that are wondering whether or not they're going to have a job at the end of 2021. 
I'm sure that that's the case. But look at what it says in Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4, in speaking to that very issue, the Bible speaks about the sower, the parable of the sower. Look what it says at verse number 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. The cares of this world, the cares of this life. You know, all the things about this life that become so important to an individual. They begin to fill the heart with care. Boy, I'm really anxious about how am I going to pay for these bills? Bought another car. How am I going to pay for this car? All right, how am I going to be able to pay for my child's education? All right, what's going to happen if I lose my job and I have all this debt? How am I going to take care of that? And then it can even go into further things like how come my son was not given the opportunity to start pitching this year in baseball? I'm aggravated about that. There's things in my heart that bother me. And look what else, it goes on from there. Chapter 4, skip down a few verses and, and see what happens when they, the disciples get out with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee and a storm comes up. Look at the Bible says, verse 37, and there arose a great storm of wind. The waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Verse 38, and he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow and they awake him and say to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Do you not even care? I mean, we're here in this boat and we are scared to death and the waves are coming in and the water's coming in and the wind's howling and blowing. Don't you care? Don't you care? It reminds me of a song that was written by a Methodist preacher by the name of Frank Graff. They said that he had a radiant personality. And they said that Frank Graff had a cheerful disposition to the place that they called him the sunshine minister. You know, Tabernacle used to have a guy by the name of Sunshine. Well, this man was known as the Sunshine Minister. Had a great way with children. And what they said is, they said, this, this, man, this man lit up the community until heartache hit his life. He had several siblings, and one by one they began to die. I'm talking about while he was a young man. A sister dies, another sister dies. A mother passes away. You know, it was said about this man that by the time he was 40 years of age, that he had already lost two-thirds of his family. All gone. You know what that does to somebody that's called the sunshine minister? It puts care in his heart. Lord, why? Why did you allow? I'm a preacher. I've given my life to you to serve you and to try to please you. I'm, I'm trying to live clean. I'm trying to live right, and now my sisters are gone, and my mother is gone, and now these family. Lord, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing these things to take place? So he sat down after reading a passage of Scripture, and I want you to turn to it, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. He began thinking about a verse of Scripture, and they say that he went into a, a, a very dark, depressed state. That his life went from being sunshine and cheer to being something full of care and darkness. So 1 Peter chapter 5, written definitely to the elders of the church and minister in verse number 7. Look what the Bible says in verse 7. Casting all your care upon him. You see those next five words? For he careth for you. You know what song Frank Graff wrote? Here's what he wrote. Does Jesus care when my heart is pained? 
too deeply for mirth and song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. You know where he got that from? He did not get that from some psychology session. He got that from a piece that came only from God. Do you understand that tonight? That when you get in the middle of a, a troubled life and the problems begin to swell and things become uncertain and our life, our heart begins to fill with care, the Holy Ghost is said, no, be careful for nothing. Don't allow that to become the, the identifying mark of your life. Listen, how many of you, don't, 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 don't raise your hand personally about yourself. How many of you know people that are identified by being worry warts or just always just worried about stuff all the time? You know anybody like that? So people raising their hand like this. <laughs> you know what happens when you, when you begin to give yourself to worry? Can I say this to you? You know what I believe? I believe worry grows. You get worried about one thing. And then you get worried about another thing. And then you get worried about 10 things. And then everything's something to worry about. The whole thing is something to worry about. It, you know, it becomes something so large that everything is something that's filled with care. And you get identified that way. I don't think Christians should be identified. Are you listening? I don't think Christians should be identified as people that are full of care. I think Christians ought to be identified as people that are full of grace and the peace of God. Yeah, I think that's where we ought to be identified. So go back, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. How then do I, how do I make that transition? What can I do to get to the peace of God instead of being full of carefulness? How, how, how is that possible? How is it possible when I'm so concerned about something in my family? How do I move from carefulness to the peace of God? Simply, if you look at this, three quick things and I'm finished. Number one, if you look there in verse number six, be careful for nothing, but there's your contrasting conjunction in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. The first thing I'm going to tell you, if you don't want to be full of carefulness and you want God to be the keeper of your heart, prayerfulness is something that's required. You are going to have to take and turn your hope toward heaven. Don't turn your hope toward the, listen, how, 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 how long will it be before we learn? If you keep turning your hope to Washington, D.C., you're always going to be disappointed. Amen. You keep turning your heart toward, listen, the government's going to help us and finally we're going to, no, no, listen, that's not, I'm not going to turn it there. Or if you turn your heart to a loved one or you turn your heart to a friend, and I'm not saying it's not right to depend on friends, but you know what we ought to do? We ought to turn our heart heavenward when we got care coming toward us. The Bible says, be by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. I've got to spend some time talking to God. I've got to spend some time in supplication to God. And you could write Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings chapter 8 is full of the word supplication. He is saying, God, if we do this, then please, if we pray, then please do this. And Lord, if we do this, and he goes through a huge list of things. If, if, we, if we sin, if we turn to idols, whatever we do, and then you do this, but if we turn, God, please give mercy 
I'm telling you right now, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm glad that God's got big enough shoulders for me to cast all my burdens on if I need to. Right? I've got a dear friend, I'm not going to tell you where. Dear friend. A faithful minister of the gospel. A wife that has been a faithful wife for many years. And right now, right now, they are at a point in their life that, they, that she's been institutionalized. And it is beyond his own heart's ability to continue. Don't want to continue in the ministry. Don't, want, don't understand, Lord. And I'm telling you, when you come to a place that things get that far out of banks, there's only one place you can turn your attention to. It's got to be to heaven. It's got to be God. I'm going to pour out my heart to you. You know what? I'm so glad. I'm so glad I've got a friend in Jesus Christ that I can trust. If you pour out your heart to Jesus, he's not going to post it on Instagram tomorrow. Right. If you, if, you, if you get honest with God in prayer, Lord, this is where my heart is and this is what's going on in my thought processes and God, I just need some help. If you pour all that out to God, he's not going to say, I don't have any time to listen to you. He's not going to say, hey, I'll call you later. He's going to be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Thanks be to God that we got somebody we can turn our hope to. Prayerfulness. If you don't want a heart full of carefulness, there has to be prayerfulness, but by prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known unto God. God, would you, would you please? You know, a request is very specific. One of the reasons that we have been looking at these prayer sheets and these cards for family members, we've tried to be very specific in our prayer. Try to be very specific in requesting something from God. God, these people are out of church. Would you turn them back to you? These people are without Christ and uninterested. Would you, would you work on their heart? So what he's saying is be specific. Get specific with God. You know, there are so many things we can use to distract our minds, but if we'll spend time talking to God in that carefulness, and I, I, listen, it, it's easy for me to get distracted. If I turn on a ball game and Alabama's winning, it helps me forget about my problems. Right. But you know the problem with that? They don't always win. And then you know what that does? That helps complicate my problems. And you know what else? When the ball game's finished, the problems are still right there. They're still right there. So I can distract my mind, but if I can turn my heart toward God, oh Lord, I don't know if I'm going to get this job or not, and I've got to make sure I've got everything in order, and I'm going to have my resume in order. Good. And I'm going to go in with a cheerful smile. Good. And I'm going to be honest. Great. But you know what the truth is? You can put your, listen, you can put your future in God's hand, and God knows how to take care of that for you. Turn my attention to God. If you want me to have this job, let them hire me. And if you don't want me to have this job, shut the door. That's exactly what I prayed about this church. Lord, if you, if you want me there, show me. And if you don't want me there, shut the door. Problem is, he just wouldn't shut the door. He said, there you go. Carefulness is, listen, prayerfulness is required 
if God is going to keep your heart. Now, if you're going to have somebody else keep your heart, a therapist, whoever else, th then you can go to them. You can turn to them. But if you're going to have God to do it, you've got to turn your attention heavenward. Secondly, look right there in verse number six. Never preach it this way. I'm going to preach it this way tonight. Verse number six, the Bible says, let, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So you have prayer, supplication, and request. But right in the middle it says, with thanksgiving. I'm, I'm going to throw a second thing out there to you that I think will help with carefulness. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. <laughs> have you ever, oh yes you have, I have. Have you ever said this, well it can't get any worse. You ever said that? You ever said that and found out it could get a whole lot worse? Well the wheel's wobbling, We're, it couldn't get any worse. I mean, we're, we're, we're about out of gas. We're 15 miles away and the wheels wobble. Can't get any worse. Oh, yeah, it can. Sure it can. You know, the Bible says, and write, write this out beside, right beside verse number six. With thanksgiving, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Amen. To be thankful. You know, the only way you can be thankful is if you can see the blessing. Come on, are you listening to me tonight? Are you listening? The only way you can be thankful is if you can see the blessing. Maybe I'll explain it this way. In everything, give thanks. So I take hammer in hand, nail in hand, and I'm trying to nail something. Bam, hit my thumb. Oh! And then somebody that has a warped view of that scripture says, Thank you, Lord, that I busted my thumb. How many of you think that's probably not what that verse intended for you to do? It's like saying, Lord, thank you that I wrecked my car. No, no, but you know what, God? Thank you that I didn't drive the nail through my thumb. Thank you that I didn't hit all five fingers. Thank you that, are you, listen, thank you that nobody was hurt in the wreck. Thank you, Lord, that we have insurance, and so did they. Do you understand that in the middle of that, I've got to see the blessing. And the devil is a master at getting you to look at what you don't have and what is broken and trying to convince you it's all bad, it's not good. That, that Joseph, it didn't work with Joseph. Joseph is in Egypt. He's been in the pit. He's been in Potiphar's house and been lied about. He's, listen, he's been put in prison and forgotten about. But when he gets out, Listen, God takes and helps that young man and gives him a beautiful wife and he has two children, Manasseh and Ephraim. And he looks at those two children and gives them their names on purpose and talks about how God has blessed him in the land of his affliction. Listen to me. Are you listening? You can find the blessing of God if you look for it. And then say, God, thank you. Thank you. And that will help carefulness Stay away from your heart. God, I, I appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Look at the blessings. You know we say count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. That helps, that helps carefulness stay away. Thirdly, and I, I'm trying to be conscious of the time. Look what the Bible says there in verse number six again. Be careful for nothing. All right, how do I do that? Well, but in everything by prayer, prayerfulness and supplication with thanksgiving, thankfulness, 
Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Verse 8, and I'm not going to preach this tonight, but look. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, and then he runs a list. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, pure, lovely, good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Thoughtfulness. Now, look at that very first thing that's mentioned. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. You know what I find people worry about a lot? Things that haven't happened. Now, come on now. People worry about things that aren't true. They worry about things that haven't happened. You know, there are so many people worried about whether it's 5G or whether it's Biden or or whether it was the, the things that weren't counted or the chads that were counted back when Bush got in or whatever it is. There's so many things that people are caught up and worried about. I remember some, a guy told me one time he was talking to me about black, you know, these, these helicopters that were black helicopters that were going to come and take people to these remote places somewhere out in the desert and all that stuff. And I just finally looked at him. I said, you know what? If that's really the government's plan, there ain't anything you can do about it. You can't, you can't, you don't have a big enough gun and you ain't got a fast enough car to get away. Oh yeah, but we got to worry. What, like Y2K? (laughs) Come on now, like Y2K? Right? World's going to come to an end. It didn't happen. (laughs) Listen, I know people that won't get on a plane because they're afraid it's going to crash. Oh, it's going to crash. I know it's going to crash. I don't want to be 35,000 feet in the air when that plane crashes. Well, it didn't crash yet. I remember, listen, one year, there were, no, there were no fatalities from flying, aviation. There were a whole lot of fatalities in driving a car. I, I'm not going to get on that plane because of what might happen. Well, I, I, what's, well, this might happen to my, to my 401k or, or this might happen if to, to our, this is going to happen. And people start worrying and they start thinking about things that aren't true and they start fretting. You know, listen, you, you and I have got to, look, you and I have got to put our mind on the things that are true and not the things that are false or it will fill us with care. Quit thinking about stuff that hadn't happened. Well, it's going to happen. How do you know that? Have you ever had a conversation with yourself before you go have a conversation with somebody else and you already know exactly how the conversation is going to turn out? Anybody ever done that beside me? Okay, this is going to say this. I'm going to say that. He's going to say this. I'm going to say that. Then we're going to do this. And then we're going to say, boom, I get there. And when you start talking, you know what you find out? None of that happened. What would have stayed up all night? Oh, my goodness. I just Put your mind on what's true. Boy, and I hate to say this because we're doing so well tonight. I wonder how, what percent of information on the internet is false. Fifty percent. I wonder what percent of the news is false. Thirty percent. I can tell you one thing. You know how much of this is false. Zero percent. None. There's nothing that you can find that is not true, that is not yea and nay, that this, this is true. And you can go on. Yes, there are people that are dishonest, but what about the people that are honest? Yes, there are people that are unjust and crooks, but what about those that are just? It depends on where you put your attention. If you are going to have a life of peace that God is keeping, 
then you've got to put your mind on the right thing and not on something that may be false. So again, how do I keep carefulness out of my life? So difficult, preacher. I'm worried about all these different things, okay? Then you need to have some prayerfulness in your life. You need to have some thankfulness in your life. And then you need to have some thoughtfulness on the right things. And then God says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you. Let's read it one more time. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That is just as true as Romans 10, 13. Come on now, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Is that in your Bible? That's a promise from God. And you know what this is? That's an equal promise. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But I have to come to God prayerfully. I've got to turn my hope to Him. I've got to spend some time thinking on the right things. And I've got to be thankful for the blessings that I have. And the carefulness moves away. How many of you think somebody that lives like that's a whole lot happier than somebody that doesn't? Right. And I believe that's why the Holy Ghost is telling us, look, be careful for nothing. There needs to be a difference between you and the world if you're going to give them something better than what they have. You know that Philippian jail that Paul was in? Y'all remember what happened to him there? Remember what happened? He got beaten. Not for anything he'd done wrong. Falsely accused. He's sitting in that Philippian jail. He and Silas are sitting there, backs bleeding. He's in the dark. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible place. I've been to that prison. If they say that's where it is, I'm sure it smelled awful. He's sitting there in the dark and all of that. And you know what the Bible says? That at midnight, Paul and Silas, you know what they did? They prayed and they sang praises. You know why? Because they had something different on the inside of them than the people that were keeping the prison had. And boy, when the prison broke loose, that Philippian jailer is going to take and kill himself. And he said, do thyself no harm. We're all here. And he comes trembling, springing in. And he says this, sirs, what must I do to be saved? In other words, how do I get what you've got? Because what you've got is a whole lot better than what I've got. Amen. So here's the question again. Who's keeping your heart? Are you keeping it? Is somebody else keeping it? Is God keeping it? Because if God's keeping your heart and mind, there's going to be a calmness. And boy, I sure enjoy that. I sure enjoy the calmness of God. Amen. Let's stand to our feet just a moment. I wasn't going to give an invitation, but I think I will. And the, the organ, the piano, they can begin playing. But how about this? If there's somebody tonight that you just say, you know what? I need some of that calmness. And I, I think I'm just going to come to an altar and I'm going to ask God to help me with that. I'm going to turn my attention to him. I hadn't spent enough time praying. I hadn't Hadn't spent enough time thinking on the right things. I'm going to try to get those out of my life. Would there be anybody to come tonight? Would you come tonight? Organ piano's going to play. We don't have to have it playing for you to make a move. You know if your heart's full of care. There's no, you can't cover that. And if it is, then why not be able to say, God, I need some help.